Don't call it the Honda Motor Company for nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Welcome back to Motorsport 101. That, that was a wonderful uh, me and Cam Buckley impression there from RJ in the intro. Uh, no, 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 no. R- Dre, Dre, in order to do an us impression, a Marquez brother has to crash immediately afterwards. This this is true. This, I'll get to that very shortly, but uh, let me introduce the podcast first. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 449 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and welcome to... <laughs> Some cleanup work, I suppose. Now, look. The uh, the random tools, odds, and ends drawer in your house, you all know the one of Motorsport oh, yeah. 101. I, I have I have my one right here. It's literally right next to me. It's my it's my bag of swag, as I like to call it, of, of shit that you never know you actually need until you need it for something. And, uh, yeah, this is what this episode of the show basically is. Now, we're going to be honest. We are creative people on this show. We do try to cover everything that we normally cover. However, I tried writing a set list for this episode. We put some elbow grease into it. I tried. I really tried for MotoGP at Mugello. Couldn't do it. Mm -mm. (laughs) Couldn't do it without repeating ourselves profusely from other shows talking about the pain of Honda and Francesco Bagnaia's dominance. I'll cut to the chase. Bagnaia won via a grand slam. He dominated all of Mugello, took the maximum 37 points away from the weekend. And like I said, the actual Grand Prix itself was a grand slam. He led every single lap. He set the fastest lap of the race, which is a new race lap record, I believe, um, while winning. And yeah, just from pole position, it was a complete flattening of the field by Francesco Bagnaia. They're Oh, yeah. here it comes. Yep. Also, Cam's dealing with some thunderstorms, so bear with him on this yeah, one. Hopefully, uh, yeah, it is. A, a lake has fallen from the sky. Hopefully, I do not lose connection, guys. Let me yeah, know. Yeah, you know, um, we'll, we'll keep you posted, but uh, we'll, we'll crack on. Um, no, I was going to say, so <sighs> we tried, but there isn't really a mu- there really wasn't much to take away from this weekend that we didn't already know. For perspective's sake, this wasn't an outlier. Ducati went one, two, three, four in the Grand Prix and went one, two, three, four, five in the sprint. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. This this was the Ducati show and man, and when as Jeremy Clarkson used to say, when all the animals are equal, some are still more equal than the others, and Manyaya was still that dude. Both Pramax would follow him onto the podium, Martin in second and Zarco third. Fun fact, that was Johan Zarco's eighteenth. MotoGP podium without him winning. I'm telling you, he's the best rider in the world as long as it doesn't involve fighting for the win. He's brilliant at it. 18 of them now without winning. Is Sarko, please, just win one of these already, for God's sake. Um, so, yeah, not ideal, to say the least. But um, that and the fact that the only other real headline to come out of this weekend was Mark Marquez losing the front and uh, being it on the final corner early on when he was fighting Luca Marini for a podium spot. Um, and the now memeable picture, almost like he's on a, like he's on a goal mouth trying to save a penalty, of Mark Marquez looking at his fallen Honda RC213 going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and uh, keep in mind now that he wasn't the only Honda to crash this weekend. Um... Alex Rin shattered his leg. And when I say shattered, I mean uh, I mean that word. He broke hmm. his tibia. He broke his fibula. He's in an external fixation cage to hold his leg together. He's having further surgery to stabilize the damaged bones. Mm. We have probably seen the last of Alex Rins this year. <laughs> if, if, if calmer heads prevail regarding that. And Johan Mir fucked up one of his hands. He was out of the race. He was out of the race weekend pretty much immediately. Yeah, free practice one. Um, and the only Honda that actually made the flag was Takanakagami in, I believe, 13th. 
Correct. By his own admission, basically riding the bike scared to push it for the remainder of the race. Um, in the space of less than half a season. Oh my God. Oh boy. <laughs> the dogs are coming out to play. I'm RJ, by the way. Um, I, had a lo- I had a lot of time to just like hyper focus on Lamont that I didn't get any time in to watch MotoGP at Michel. But it seemed like Francesco Bagnaia is still the best rider in the world, like three days out of four. Pretty much. Uh, Honda are not having a good time of things, as nope. we just pointed out. Dreadfully. Am I caught up? I feel like I've got the whole experience in front of me. More or less. I mean, that that was pretty much <sighs> the majority. Any other thing that, that was really even half an eyebrow razor was seemingly internal beef between Yamaha and Frankie Morbidelli, where, like, Morbidelli was asked about his future um, during the, the Grand Prix weekend. And he was like, he was asked, oh, you know, do you think you're closer to Fabio this year? And he was like, yeah, I am. And he said, do you feel like you're getting closer to that extension? And he's like, do I want to do another year at Yamaha? (laughs) Yeah. Can we just talk about his only lifeline left in the sport, realistically, given the current state of him as a rider? And Yamaha are so bad that at this point, he doesn't even want anything to do with them. That's crazy. Yeah, um, like, Yamaha. I mean, they were just—they're not like viscerally horrendous like Honda are, where Honda are throwing bikes up the road with abandon. They're just irrelevant. Yamaha yeah. is so poor that they have made Frankie Morbidelli and Fabio Quartararo irrelevant to the MotoGP pecking order. I'd Did like there... to—I'd re- like to remind you that for all the shit we've given Honda over the last eighteen months. Then we're coming up to the one-year anniversary of us completely ripping the ever-loving shit out of them after what happened in Germany last year with Marquez being injured, Bradl burning his foot, Paul Spargaro, you know, having to pull out halfway through for injury. For all of that, Honda are still 15 points better than Yamaha in the Constructors' Championship right now. And literally all of that is Alex Rins' win in Coda, and he's probably done for the season. Let's and, even, roll and, through even, it. and even then, Yamaha was third that weekend. Yeah. Yeah, their bike... They didn't lose that much. <laughs> in a weird way, their bike seems to work at Coda, much like the Honda seems to work better at Coda than it otherwise would. The bigger thing for me, I mean, Honda has completely... As far as I'm concerned, they've lost Mark Marquez. Like, with the, with the way he's... He doesn't do things without reason. If the dude is staring down at his bike going, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I mean, he went into the corner, it went wide, and the, the front tire just bounced until he was on the way down. He, he, um, he, said, he said after the race that um, the problem is is that Honda have employed free riders who have a, quote, killer mentality, um, yeah. who, who, who will push to the limit to try and win, because that's, that's what they do as bike riders. And... <laughs> Way in a situation, Mark Marquez has not finished a Grand Prix this season. Alex Rins probably will not finish another race again this season. And Yohan Mir, if you, in case you lost count at home, has already crashed 12 times this season. Yohan Mir, who times. was the king of getting the bike home, literally won his championship through getting the bike home well. Yohan Mir has, has not finished a race since the opening round in Portimao. And he has already missed the start of two. He has two DNSs to his name already this season. Did not start, mm-hmm. let alone did not finish. Did not start. And in between them, he's not finished a Grand Prix. Repsol Honda has finished one feature race. <laughs> between their two world champion riders. They yeah. don't. Alex Rins, <laughs> Alex Rins was hotter than fish grease to finish 2022. And that win in Coda seemed so long ago because everything since has been shit. <laughs> and th- there's going to be legitimate questions. I mean, he more or less, he more or less did the McDoin injury, but without the McDoin aftercare. Mm. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see what he's like when he comes back. A severe leg break like that, he's not going to come back 
there's going to be nine. there's going to be a waiting period between when he comes back and when he's himself. I mean, and Takanakagami is I mean, just yeah, the, on the, an the, island. Yeah, the walking example of that is Anaya Bastianini. It was his first weekend back on the bike. He's on the best bike in the field, and he finished ninth. And he, and he yeah. missed five rounds through that broken shoulder blade. It was actually a much more severe injury than we probably gave it credit for at the time. It's ended Bastianini's season from a competitive standpoint. Well, you, you just you you you're on a MotoGP bike. You don't ride through a shoulder uh, shoulder blade fracture. It's not yeah. that you can ride through a lot of shit as a MotoGP rider, but that's something where. Um, you can't do it. it's impossible. Yeah, if you're going to try and ride through that, you're, it's never going to heal. You're just going to do more damage. Um, I mean, beyond that, for MotoGP, what else was there? KTM existed. Aprilia existed. They're just there. Like we 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 made the point. I made the point about Renault about this episode on the website. I, I literally said, "Who is the second best rider in the championship right now?" I like how uh, I was reading through that, and you said. Anyone on a Honda or a Yamaha? Seriously? Right. Pr- pretty much. And I mean, look, Mark put that piece of crap on the front row. Again? Over a lap, he's still... Incredible. The most extraordinary rider I've ever seen. But he, he just can't. No one can live at the limit like that on this bike over a race distance. It just doesn't work. No. You just can't do it. The broken um, humor the only way how you can get any lap time out of it is just hammer it into the ground, and if it bites your head off, so be it. The between this and the broken humorous, we're being robbed of four seasons of the prime of the best of the most electric motorcycle rider of this generation. This they sucks. bend, they bend their bike at the end of twenty twenty one in an attempt to create a bike that everyone could ride that didn't need Mark Marquez to tie the bike into knots on corner entry to make it work. And in response, they've made a bike that nobody can ride. Chuck the whole thing in the bin and start over uh, would be my advice. But honestly, they can't do that. They're, they're too far gone. They're too committed to this. Like They don't have the means to in the, within the regulations because they don't have concessions. They can't just reset the whole bike all no, at once you can't and, and, and think, you've got to go three years without a dry podium in order to get concessions that's they gotta mark win marquez, this year yeah mark marquez is too good for that and alex rins has won a grand prix this year say, that timer <laughs> got reset that timer got reset in coda so yeah. it ends up not mattering um that's still more- they're still too good for their own good <laughs> well and that speaks to the quality look Mark Marquez is still him in all the best and worst possible ways. Alex Rins finished 2022 looking every bit the rider that we hyped him up to be, racking up wins in the dying embers of the Suzuki program. Eh. And Yoan Mir is a world champion whose, whose specialty was consistency in bringing the bike home. They've got arguably the highest peak talent on the grid and they have nothing for it it is wild it is wild but this is the state of play at honda and it is there is no sign of improvement anytime soon the oman man will miss the german grand prix this weekend he will not be replaced at repsol honda and obviously alex rins will not take part at germany either he will not for be the replaced. foreseeable future yeah like they like what 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 I've been told by people off the record is absolute best case scenario Silverstone. No and way, that, and they're saying that's a miracle no if he makes it there. No way, because that was but that was when we thought it was just tibia. If it's a clean break, you can come back reasonably quickly from a broken five, leg in MotoGP. Five or six weeks. Because MotoGP is just the silliest, craziest sport in the fucking world. You don't need a leg to ride, effectively. Yeah, I mean, he's he's effectively on one leg right now. He's destroyed his he, he's destroyed his leg, um, and he went he just he went off at high speed and tumbled, and that was it. Sometimes you walk away from that. Sometimes you don't. Um, <clears throat> it's just. Nothing happened this race besides that, except Dre. 
What have yes. we done? We we cursed them. We we we, we cursed we, them both. We watched we, we we watched the, this race on Discord within seconds of me saying that Mark Marquez was pushing too hard. No, been, no, I, I said it. I'm the one. I I cursed yeah, Mark. You, you you cursed Mark. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot this. I now, said, you, but now the question is. When does the Honda spit him out? And literally as the last word left my lips, we see him low side the bike. Yep. Front tuck down he went. And then later on in the race, when Alex Marquez was fighting Luca Marini for a podium finish, I said Alex Marquez was pushing way too hard. And then within seconds, he puts too much of his bike on the curb um, just after San Donato and crashes from third. I'm surprised your brother didn't choke you out on the call. <laughs> I, I am stunned I still have a neck, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's a miracle in of itself, but here we are. Um, that pretty that's much really, was the long and the short. Wrote. Yeah, that's pretty much the long and the short of what happened at Mugello. We're not joking. That was literally it. We could not in our good conscience justify trying to shall we say, top up the Kool-Aid jar with enough to justify even a 30-minute show. Yeah, it was tough. But, Dre, uh, we've we've also... We have, like, another room in our house that needs cleaning up. It needs tidying mm. up. Should we talk about that, is that the one? Uh, is that the one full of electrical outlets? Yes, it is. Good, I need yeah. to charge my phone. Yeah, good. Um, good idea. Well, well, you, you plug your phone in, and we'll talk about a Formula E. Now... Here's the thing about Formula E. We didn't cover Monaco because we were a little bit too busy around the month of May. Um, yeah, before, it happens. That, it happens. And that was before um, FE took their mid-season. I say, I say mid-season. They're like, they were like two-thirds of the way through at this point. So they, they had their, quote, mid-season break for four weeks. Um, and after that, this past weekend, they had their doubleheader in Jakarta over in Indonesia. Um not going to lie to you, folks. Not much happened in Jakarta either. Um, <laughs> so we thought it was only fair that we try and clean up for you Formula E fans out there what had happened in the last three races. So uh, excuse me when I go into narrator mode for just a second here. So forgive me, um, but uh, I'll get back to you real quick. Okay, first up, Monaco. Monaco, we had, and it wouldn't be Formula E without a bit of shithousery. And there was, a, right. there was a hilarious <laughs> moment in qualifying where the final round of the duels was between Nissan, Sasha Fenestras, who's, who's been here before, remember was pole sitter in Cape Town earlier this year, and McLaren's Jake Hughes, who we all know has a very fast car over a single lap. Um, turns out the winning time was... None. Um, Nobody <laughs> wins. Jake Hughes had his lap time cancelled for overextending on braking and cutting the, fight, the uh, Novel chicane. Um, so his lap was cancelled, but that's still better than Sasa Fenestras, whose lap was disqualified entirely because he had a overpower moment where his car spiked over the 350 kilowatt limit. So he was disqualified from qualifying entirely so like this was this was formula <laughs> you get nothing <laughs> you lose good day sir like, jake hughes has done his own version of luigi wins at mario party by doing absolutely by doing nothing, nothing. <laughs> with a and, with a poll time of unknowable <laughs> yeah a poll time of zero jake hughes ended up qualifying on pole ahead of fenestras but none of that mattered in the end because in a very fast 150 mile an hour game of chess um, Nick Cassidy won from ninth on the grid, including a couple of absolutely bonsai passes. Like, like a couple, like, I think he went around the outside of two people at the lows end wow. at one point. <laughs> Holy shit! Like, take notes, Lance. Um, <laughs> very true. Nick Cassidy, I think, has generally had enough of trying to beat people by saving battery, um, and he did it again at Monaco. He won from ninth on the grid. An aggressive comeback win. It was a all-New Zealand Kiwi-based showdown because it was Mitch Evans directly behind him in a fight for the win, and it looked like it was going to be Mitch trying to set up a final overtake on Cassidy for the win until Nico Muller put it in the wall, brought out, brought out a, uh, a full-course yellow, and that ended the race. And amazingly, and stop me if you've heard this one lately, 
an FIA-sanctioned world championship race finished under yellow. Hmm. How about that? You know, I would, it's... Uh, Scotty can do this. It, it, <laughs> you know, for once, no one broke their own regulations to create a more exciting race. No, um, why would... Who's the NASCAR race director? Don't know, actually. Um, it's that guy who's always ho- hovering over the caution button anytime we're down with two laps to go. Even why for the would, most minor incident. Why right. would the iRacing.com flagman do this? Right. So, yeah, that race ended the yellow. Somehow, Dan Tickton was not penalized for a huge shunt with Max Gunther under yellow as well, which, um, yeah, like. Great. Uh, that was uh, a braint incident. That is <laughs> all time. That like, I know Dan Tickton's crash from a couple races ago was like, what the fuck are you doing? But this really was like, who let you in here? Don't yeah. are, don't you own the Ferrari that's parked illegally outside? <laughs> still a thing. I remember that. It's still so like God bless Hazel Southwell on Twitter, who was like, "Someone's Ferrari is being towed away outside Rascass." And then the second it's tweet of, "Oh my God, it's Dan Tictums!" <laughs> I pissed myself everywhere. Uh, I repainted my walls yellow. I was very dehydrated. It was that fucking. Funny. Whoa. <laughs> you want to? You might want to go to a doctor. That's like that's that's worrying. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Lack of water in the house at the time. It was it was a poor thing. But I love that Tictum after the race told Radzi, who uh, uh, quote, um, "If they penalize me for that, I am retiring from racing." And I was like, "Come on, stewards! Uh, come on, you have don't the, let us you, down. You have the opportunity to do the funniest thing imaginable." Right, right, right. Didn't didn't happen in the end, but uh, yeah, in the end, Nick Cassidy won from ninth on the grid ahead of Mitch Evans and Jake Dennis to, to end up finishing third. Um, so that was that was Monaco in the nutshell. Sadly, not a classic. It was just an okay Formula E race. It seemed like um, it was very eventful. It was eventful, but it, it was more for the, like... for the wrong reasons. Yeah, it was more like the bad kind of Formula E oh. chaos rather than the good kind. A lot of shithousery, a lot of nasty crashes. And again, like Formula E races are getting very packy, where it's like nobody wants to lead. And it, it's a bit like a cycling peloton, where it's now like nobody wants to lead nobody wants to cut somebody else's hole in the air and everybody wants to save as much as possible because at one point they they had dropped their race pace for it so it was like five seconds a lap slower than what they were doing earlier on in the race it was silly um and yeah it ended up with a former race of the year classic just being okay it's all right it was all right, and yeah, that that end, that was the last race of the four round streak of New Zealanders winning Formula E races. Um, so that was fun for a little while. Um, fast forward after the mid season break to Jakarta, and uh, a surprising name on pole, and in fact, he did. He got pole in both races. Funnily it enough, it shouldn't be a surprise given where we were hyping him up at the preseason to be at, but. This is the yeah. state of playing things. Yeah, this was a surprise given the context of how Maserati's season has largely been miserable up until this weekend. Maxi Gunther on pole, his first form at a repopper, and he ended up getting the old London buses treatment of waiting a long time, and then two good ones came along at once. Because, um, spoiler alert, he was on pole in race two as well. Um, Gunther was just that dude for most of the weekend. And... I, I, I suspect, RJ, I suspect that Formula E kind of knew this was going to be a bit like flogging a dead horse because they doubled the amount of attack mode that was required in this weekend. I think it was eight minutes. Wow. Bit, rather than four. They like. Uh, it's nice, I guess, that the series was trying to experiment with the format in general because up to this point, we've only had like the usual rules about four-minute attack modes and um, one, two, and three-minute chunks. They just doubled everything. So it was like two, four, six minutes. You got to take eight in total over the course of the race. Did it work? No. 
<laughs> but but uh, God bless him for trying. Damn, that's unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate, and um, yeah, like Pascal Verline actually qualified well. He actually qualified third, and only had to pass a couple of cars to get to the front, and he would go on to win race one, despite drawing the air of um <laughs> of of Jake Dennis. Um, I, I, I think Dennis, I think called him a, a, a plonker or something like that after the race. <laughs> a plonker? Oh my yeah. God, how devastating. Yeah, like, like, I love that Jake Dennis pulls out all the British slang insults that aren't technically swear words. I think I think, I think he called Verline a git as well during during the course of that as He's well. He's a so. plonker and a git. Yep, yep, it's exactly that. Jake Dennis is every Englishman you've ever heard in your life. Oh, blimey. <laughs> Etc. Uh. <laughs> like, Cam, get your mans. Um, <laughs> although I shouldn't say that so much because Verlon actually won race one in the end. <laughs> like, it actually won a race from the front of the field, and with Jake Dennis finishing in second behind him. Um, in the end, yeah, it was a it was the third one two of Verline and Dennis we've had so far this season. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, the issue is never really the car, the car's performance. It was usually, you know, yeah, we, we've actually transitioned from Pascal, pass some fucking cars to Pascal, qualify the goddamn car. Yeah, please be and fast for over once. a lap. Yeah, and he did. Qualified third, took the win. Um, the bad news was that Dennis's direct rival was directly behind him on the road, but uh, Cassidy actually struggled in the end. He was only, I think he was only seventh in race one in the end. So uh, that was actually good news because it brought everybody back into play due, due to uh, due to his bad results. So yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it it was a good weekend to balance the books in that sense, um, and. It's almost like they knew again that uh, things were going to be a bit of a struggle because in race two, they decided to add two more laps. To tr- to, you know, they Please, thought, well, God, someone do something to justify this TV money. Right. Because like, <laughs> like race two was two laps longer. They made it 38 laps instead of 36, mostly because they looked at everybody's batteries and was like, well, lap, like 36 laps around this track was basically a sprint race. And that's not the point of Formula E. <laughs> the whole point of the series is that you're meant to regen and look after your battery and that efficiency is what makes you win races, not fuck it, put your foot down the whole way through. Um, did it work? Again, yeah. not really. No, nah. not really, no. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I I saw maybe two or three minutes of their second yeah. race. I mean, it was just not a lot happened. No, not a lot happened. Unfortunately, um, Max Gunther, you know, he took the lead of the race early on from from pole, and he basically stayed there. Jake Dennis tried to stay with him, but as the race went on, Dennis just couldn't regen couldn't energy. They just couldn't live with Gunther's overall pace. The Stellantis, the Stellantis juggernaut has finally collected because Max uh, Gunther won mm, race two. Nah, I still think we got catfished by these cars in preseason. <laughs> no, we need um, we need to point this out. This is Maserati's first single seater win in the World Championship stage in sixty three years. Yeah. Good lord! The last time they won a single seat race was 1960. <laughs> wow, my dad wasn't even born in 1960. Um, Ital- Italian brands and finally coming good for the first time in decades. <laughs> it's, it's it's been a hell of a it's been a hell of a weekend. Let me tell you, Forza you, know, you know what's crazy though? Uh, officially, Maserati is flagged in Monaco, and you know what's even crazier than that? Monaco shares a similar flag design with Indonesia. It's all connected. It's all connected, baby. It's all connected. Yeah, as you could have probably guessed by our earlier description, Jake Dennis was the only person that could even stay close 
to um to Max Gunther over the course of the second race. Even with the extra two laps, it didn't make a huge amount of difference in the end. Mitch Evans did end up third in the end, but he was 18 seconds back. That's how much um like it turns out the Jaguar powertrain um had to save quite a lot to make the flag in the end. Wow. Um you don't normally see a gap of 18 seconds for a car on the podium in Formula E. Normally quite the opposite. So Evans led a narrow train of a second group of him, Fenestraz, Nato, Verline in sixth, the Costa seventh, and Edo Mortara eighth, all finishing within about two and a half seconds of each other, with Van Dorn and Buemi rounding off the points. Um, in case you're wondering, well, where's Nick Cassidy in all of this? Well, Cassidy... Um, tapped the back of I think it was one of the Porsches in the middle of the road. Might have been David Beckman was, who Beckman, yes, it was Beckman actually. Yeah, it was. He's correct. It was it was David Beckman in the in the in the second Andretti who was filling in for Andre Lotterer this weekend because we all know where Lotterer was at. Um so yeah. Trying he, his best over in France. Yes. Um in the same way that Cassidy was trying his way. He had a rough weekend in general. He tried passing Jev in race one with a big old lunge into turn one didn't work and almost put it in the wall only for in race two for him to hit the back of David Beckman and I think actually stalled his car I think it needed a power cycle of some kind um, to get it going again they ended up 18th a minute and sixth back and out of the points so with all of that in mind obviously jeff didn't finish race two either because he had front wing damage um he would he would finish in 16th and now in the points as well so a lot of we got to say this jakarta had a lot of title implications that's the one plus that came out of this weekend because if you look at the scores on the doors now remember we only have five races to go in formulary we got we got rome coming up this weekend um going into that weekend Pascal Verline is back in the lead of the championship with 134 points. He has a lead of one over Jake Dennis in second. It's like we've gone back and forth with DNFs, non-finishes, and do you remember when came, Jake Den- came back to the exact same place? Yeah, it's like do you remember when Jake Dennis went f- had four no- had four non-scores in a row? Yeah, basically Doesn't even matter now. Yeah, and now he's followed it up with four straight podiums. <laughs> Second, you know second, nice? third, second. <laughs> you know what's really nice about this, though? What's that? It's showing kind of as a whole with Formula E, you didn't need to do the gimmicky, contrived bullshit to get a close title fight. Mm-hmm. We have one just on the merits of how these cars and drivers get on every weekend. Yeah, it is a series that has a big margin for error and not in a contrived way. Like, we have seen the back... Like The story of this season, by the time it's all said and done, will be the back and forth between Porsche's powertrains and Jaguars. Because that's been the story of this year, all year long. Like, we thought Verlaine was going to run away with it early on when it was him and Dennis blowing the field apart. Then when we got to the hotter rounds rather than the, rather than the night races... Cassidy and Vern started chipping away at that gap just via consistency and results. We had the outlier of the Costa winning in Cape Town with that incredible pass. And then Cassidy went on an absolute tear <laughs> to, to, to lead the championship. And now one shitty weekend later in Jakarta, he's now sitting third because uh, the scores on the doors are Verline on 134, Jake Dennis on a minus one on 133 Cassidy six back on 128 Evans on 109 now in fourth I'll get to him in a minute um uh, with a blowtorch and a baseball bat for his teammate and John Eric <laughs> Vern fifth uh on my like he's my, he's 37 points back now he's probably the last man that can realistically win this championship now He's thirty. He's thirty-seven points back in fifth on ninety-seven. The cost is a little bit further back on seventy-eight and sixth. I think it's fair to say, gents, it's a five-horse race now, with five yeah. to go. Feels like it. And <laughs> like we discussed, Dennis being angry with Verline for no good reason. I think, I think Dennis was just being angry for the Mad. sake of angry. Cassidy choked up pretty bad. Yeah, oh, man, I hate it for him. That's your man's, RJ. Get your man's. Uh, uh, 
Like, was there anything to take away from that weekend in Jakarta that was worth a damn besides the title implications that came with it? Um, uh, on the merits of the racing, there wasn't very merits to the racing. It wasn't a lot no. of them. No, not really. Um, You're not happy with Sam Berg, right? Uh, right. Uh, yeah, all right. Um, I'll get my stapler and my pliers. Dre, cook. I'll get the hot glue. Um, yeah, like, it's second time this season Sam Bird had, take, had taken out Mitch Evans. Twice! <laughs> and I like that the first time this happened in Hyderabad, Bird was extremely apologetic. Almost like that South Park scene where it's, the guy just keeps finding new and sexy ways of saying, I'm sorry. Um, and th- this time, all he said was that, quote, I made a mistake. Oh, did you now, Sam? Oh, did you? Factually, that is correct. Yeah. He made a mistake. He was the only retirement in race one at Jakarta, and that oh. was because Sam Bird put him in the wall again. Like, honestly, I am stunned. Hit anyone else, Spud. You can hit anyone. You can hit Pascal. I'll be mad at you, but your team won't be as mad at you. Keep. It's the second time he's hit his teammate. I, I, I am genuinely stunned that Mitch didn't get out of the car and give it the old NASCAR helmet toss whenever Bird came back around again. <laughs> I, I, a Tony, a fine Tony Stewart vintage. A, a fine Tony Stewart helmet toss to the windshield, um, or attempted anyway. Um, yeah, like. <sighs> I don't think Bird's going to be a Jaguar next season. I really it, don't. It's not good enough from a driver who we know is better than this. Yeah. It's just not good enough. At one point, he'd want to race in every season of Formula E until that streak <laughs> ended. And since that streak ended, it's been not great. Sam Bird's struggles continue. Yeah, it's... He was Mr. Consistency in Formula E for a long, long time, but never quite good enough to get to get the big one. And his time at Jaguar has just been a big bowl of disappointment after his first. His, his best year there was his rookie season at, at Jaguar. His first season there had a couple of wins, had another podium at, in Rome, was you know, finished sixth in the standings. Not bad, right? Jaguar was, you know, it was a reach for Jaguar. To, like, Mitch Evans drove really well that season and was title favorite until Edon Mortara drove into the back of him. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we don't we don't speak of Berlin otherwise. Um, he's been dreadful ever since. Like, okay, I wouldn't say dreadful. Like, this year he has had a handful of podiums, but he's directly taken his teammate and title contender Mitch Evans out of a race twice. That's unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, not not it's not acceptable when you are a you are in a factory team. You're hitting your factory teammate and you have a reputation that is better than this. And since I think as you said since that you know, what was it a year year and a half two years ago? Yeah. It's just gotten it's just there's nothing positive besides the odd podium coming out of Sam Bird these yeah. days. Which is a shame because I really like him as a driver. It's just not. It's just not good enough. It's just you almost get the sense that like he needs to make a change. That's the thing. Maybe, this was the change. Maybe it, may, it has not even worked. You know what? You know it'd be a good place for him. Andretti. They don't need Lotterer in that team in the second seat. Honestly, given. Given the fact that Lauder is now full time in WEC, yeah, why not? Who says yeah. no? Because let me tell you, Andre Lauder did a damn well. He did a damn sight more in a week in a Porsche prototype over in France than he's ever done in Formula E. <sighs> Man, I wish he got in the Formula E win, but that of course. David Beckman filling in. We also had another driver change to note because apparently Oliver Rowland and Mahindra have just had enough of each other. Yeah. Who does Mahindra get to? Uh, who does Mahindra get to replace a driver like Oliver Rowland, the the Spaniard whose hair is just beautiful, feathered and lethal cotton? You just don't see it nowadays. Roberto <laughs> Mary. Wait a minute. Roberto Mary already drives in Japan. Don't they have a race this weekend? 
They did. <laughs> More scheduling conflicts. What is good about Mahindra right now as well? They're nothing. Ass. Like, do you remember? Do you remember straight do, ass? Do you remember the first round of the season when Lucas Degrassi put it on the podium in Mexico City? And then all of us got a nosebleed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lucas Degrassi hasn't scored a point since. Man. <laughs> go big or go home. And, In this case, yeah, you did both. And yeah, Lucas did both um, quite well, if I if I do say so myself. Yeah, yeah, Lucas hasn't scored a point since then. Yeah, like. This was one of the stories in, in the in the midseason break that didn't get covered as much as it probably should have done. But yeah, Oliver Rowland just got fed up with Mahindra, apparently. It was not performance related. Um, you know, he's actually had a couple of point scoring drives this year. Like he like Rowland, he was he'd already come out of Monaco hurt because he he I think he damaged his wrist in a crash he was involved in there. And apparently that wasn't part of the reason why he asked to be let go from the team. Apparently, Roland has just become disillusioned of the Mahindra project and has just decided, I've had enough. I'm good. Mm. <laughs> it's the Barry Bonds intentional walk after getting to like two balls. It's like the count's two nothing and, you know, and you're like, you know what? Ah, fuck it. Let me just walk him. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's the fine... I'll do it myself. In this yeah. case, I'll walk out myself. I hope Roland gets another seat in the series because Roland is genuinely good. Like he was arguably the only good thing about Mahindra up to this point in this era. He's been loyal like, as shit to a very mediocre factory team. Like for all the fears of a conflict of interest in the Mahindra camp this year, given the political bullshit that's gone on with Mahindra, they've actually been piss poor this year they're currently 10th out of 11 teams in the standings wow. i mean <laughs> as as who as a team that was competing for wins and podiums not often but often enough in gen 2 and being a quote-unquote manufacturer that is not acceptable right they haven't even looked like competing for anything other than scraps since that podium right that is not insane that is insane, and yeah, it, it's you expect a lot better from a team of this kind of pedigree, um, a team that has won races in this series. And look, has, we 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 shit all over Lucas Degrassi on the show, and with good reason. But he's, but he's not slow. Man. He ain't slow, and he has been hopeless since that podium. There is a very strong case you could make that Lucas Degrassi is the best driver this series has ever had from day one. The only other guy that's probably in his wheelhouse is Jeff, pound for pound, since they both respectively joined the series. Lucas, like, say what you will about him on and off the track. He's a great driver for Formula E. We know he's better than this. Like, he was in a Venturi last year and was competitive as hell in it. We know well, he's because, better than this. Well, that's because that Venturi was a, a Mercedes underneath. Well, yeah, it was a title-winning but, car yeah. in all but name, but you get the gist. <laughs> like in a, in, when you give him the equipment, he performs. Precisely, that yeah. has always been the case. And Mahindra just do not have the equipment; they don't even have anything close right now. Nope. Um, it's strugglicious out here. Uh, pretty unless you have Jaguar or Porsche power, it's been pretty strugglicious this year. Yeah, Porsche back on top of the. Teams championship. They've got to now have a 22 point lead over Envision in second on 190. You, Cassidy really screwed the people, and Bremi didn't really come through for them very much this weekend either. Um, it's it's opened up the, the teams as well because Jaggy was now back up to third on 171, despite having a pretty dreadful weekend by all accounts. Um, just the one Mitch Evans podium in race two to really take away from Bruh. it. Um, Bruh is right. Um, Dennis, again, is putting the entirety of Andretti on his back in fourth. Uh, Spoiler alert, he has 133 out of the team's 156 points this season. Someone get this man some aspirin. He is carrying that thing. 85% of the entire team's points has come from Jake Dennis, who is 
probably favorite for the championship again now uh, after the uh, which is amazing like we mentioned it earlier he had four non-scores in the middle of the season after he won the first race well, it's like, well, it's like he all put the team on his back dude <laughs> of the four Porsches here three of them have won or have been significantly significantly competitive the outlier is Andre Lauderer he's been dreadful <laughs> Given the car he's in, he's he's had he's one cooked. good race all year, Cam. The very first one where he finished in he's fourth. Jake Dennis, he put the team on his back, dude. Oh yeah, which leads me to thinking about the the next round. And to be fair, I got it wrong on my calendar. It is actually Portland next. Uh, we know somebody's going to be there. Yes, Mr. King will be down there representing uh, for the, uh, like the Portland E-Prix. And they are using the full-length circuit as well, with no changes at all. They're going to use the full-length Portland Raceway, all just under two miles of it. I don't um, know how I feel about that, I'm going to be honest. Are we going to get another oval-like race like we got in Sao Paulo? Because that's what it feels like. I'm not sure that's going to work. That's going to be a big we'll see about that, boys. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, oh, yeah. Is it bad that I'm just like, I'm feeling no enthusiasm for Portland? Well, you got to f- certainly you feel enthusiastic now that Pascal Verlein's back in the title race. Not really. <laughs> are you are you nervous about the state of their powertrains going into this one? Because Jaguar oh. tended to go stronger on these power ones. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, big crack of lightning. (laughs) Forgive us on that one. Cam had a big old crack of lightning hit us just when he was about to start talking. Um, But that that struck that that struck down the street. Damn. Uh, Give me give me a sec. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, that was a big one, even for us. Holy fucking shit, it split a tree. Oh, damn. Holy shit. We have a tree split live on the podcast. Wow, that's oh uh, man, it's okay. My, as you can imagine, my dogs are not enjoying the thunder either. I, as you can uh, imagine, holy fucking shit. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, uh, like, uh, power Porsche powertrains, right? Um, not at all, actually. Actually, the powertrain, the, the car is the thing I have faith in. It's just a question of whether these guys can keep qualifying because qualifying is the Achilles heel. Mm. If Pascal, like, if they've got such great energy usage and pace, but if they have to burn energy getting through the pack, it it amounts to a zero sum in the competitive landscape of a given race. And early on, they could get away with it because it was so much better than everyone else. Mm. Now it really is. Now it is better. I'd say on its day, it's a little bit better than the Jag powertrain. Right. But the guys need to pull their weight. They can't just rely on its energy usage That's to get fair. them through a weekend. Um, I do think that the couple of really awful weekends, I do think that Pascal got a much-needed kick up the backside. He did, yeah. Um, and hopefully he maintains that. And Jake Dennis, I mean, really, hit the quality of his driving this year has never really been the problem. Um there were three or four incidents that he just got caught up in and there was nothing he could really do. Extremely Formula uh, E things. Very Formula E. Exceedingly F-E. Um, yep. So, I feel good about Porsche. I just don't really feel good about the track we're going to. Um, I'm, we'll we'll I'm see. Nerv- I'm nervous for Porsche because there's not going to be a lot of regen around here. I think that favors Jaguar a little bit more. Where it, uh, but we'll have to wait and see how that plays out because Portland is going to be a glorified roval in the context of Formula E. Like, this is going to be a very fast track. Well, so We've seen like... Porsche actually thrive at the really, really fast tracks this year. Mm. Um, mm. But again, I, I think if they're going to win, if they're going to win a race on a given weekend, they need to qualify high enough that they can use the advantage of their powertrain rather than burn it all up trying to pass other cars. Um, if Pascal can qualify it in the top five or six, that feels pretty good. Mm, mm. 
Um, same with same with Antonio, uh, who will be back, and same with uh, Jake Dennis. Any bold predictions for Portland, RJ? Um, I think I need. I mean, Nick Cassidy needs to arrest the free fall from Jakarta to get back in this. Um, again, it say, could be, say, it's amazing how quickly Cassidy rose up the ranks and then crashed right back down over the course of basically one doubleheader. One right. normal day of ABB. That's all I ask. Will never <laughs> happen. <laughs> I think that is a beautiful way to finish off our, FE, I think so our, our cleanup episode. I think so too. That was a cleanup episode. Like I said, Portland will be actually, it's actually next weekend. Forgive me on that one. It's just, it's the 24th of, uh, of June. So for, for that one. So uh, yeah, formally we'll be back in a couple of weeks time on, on the M101 podcast, so do you look forward to that? Uh, motorsport this weekend. Uh, fortunately, the knuckle draggers across calendar organizers decided we're going to run the Canadian Grand Prix right alongside Road America for IndyCar. Way to go, everybody! Oh, Way to go! Get a counter crash, it means I don't have to do updates on social media next week. Oh my god, I'm so that's gonna be a mess. Yeah, we've got all of that and MotoGP at the Saxon Ring this weekend as well. Uh, can Mark Marquez somehow make it 12 wins at the Saxon Ring in his career? You know, I think that is the ultimate litmus test. If you can't win here on that bike, then that bike ain't going to win anywhere. Like, if, if, he consistently. Win, if he doesn't win the Saxon Ring, just set the whole project on fire and, and just leave it in the garage to melt. At that point, maybe they should try oval pistons again. That might work. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. We'll see how that works out. So yeah, it's a triple header for us next week. Formula One uh, for the Canadian Grand Prix, the Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. One of my favorites. I do love Canada. Mm. So I wonder how much of a dick flattening Max Verstappen will give out that weekend because he loves Canada too. That's going to be a problem. Um, so we'll see how that goes. IndyCar at Road America. Um, will Alex Pelot continue to, again, dig flatten the entire field? We'll have to wait and see. Beware of flying Ericsson's is the advice I would give to him going into this weekend. Um, and as mentioned, MotoGP at the Saxon Ring, because if Mark Marquez isn't competitive here, then, well, fuck it. Might as well park the bike and go home for the rest of the season. All of that and much more on next week's slate on Motorsport 101. Uh, places you can find us quickly, motorsport101.com. Check out the blog section. I did a, a whole bunch of extra notes on Mugello. I tried. God help me. I tried. Um, and the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Um, again, our personal handles, Dre underscore WTF1 on Twitter, at RJ O'Connell, at uh, cbuckley917. Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. All our social medias on the website. You can follow us all, all there. Like I said, motorsport101.com. Until next time, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and uh, Cam Buckley. Uh, that was a good sweeping job. Uh, Janet out. <laughs> Sayonara. Later, y'all. Like a fine, like a prime Kenny Omega. <laughs> because his gimmick, his his gimmick was the cleaner, after all. <laughs>